Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. You're listening to Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. We're glad you are. Hope you can keep it for at least a part of the next couple of hours. Here's what's coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. We're going to start at the bottom of the hour with Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, sure, we'll look ahead to this week's Niners game, their final game before they head into their bye. If you just heard Ronza, uh, Ronza Moss, she uh, threw this little OBJ nugget out there uh, that potentially he's interested in signing with the Chiefs. Von Miller thinks he's a bill. Oh, yeah? We will see as OBJ decides his next destination. But What is he going to decide by? Well, I guess he's got to get cleared, right? I yeah. mean, he's still coming back from the injury in the Super Bowl, and once he gets that clearance to to play again and will pass medicals, and they think it's middle of November? Middle of November, okay. Sometime so, in November. So he's going through this process. There's a bunch of teams that obviously want him. You right. Know, you need help at wide receiver. Who are uh-huh. you going to call? Well, I'm a guy t- that's done it. And I'm going to call, and if I'm OBJ, I'm going to look at the standings, mm-hmm. and mm, the Bills are pretty good. Uh, but so are the Chiefs. Do team doctors get a look at? I would think absolutely. You know, is that going to be a part of it? Does he make the decision first? Do all the doctors get a look at him before they offer a contract? Oh, for sure. That's got to be yeah. the way. That and it's I set think up. that's part of the reason behind the wait mm-hmm. is he knows that you know if I was to go right now, I'm not going to get uh, team doctors aren't going to sign off on me. Therefore, right. the contract won't be there. But boy, oh boy, uh, him and uh, and Diggs and uh, they got some dudes. Yes, they do. They got some dudes with the Bills. Uh, and if the Chiefs get them, look out below uh, because eesh, that's all Mahomes need is another weapon for crying out loud. Yeah, not exactly fair, right? You no, at- just. But you know what? He's a hired gun, and he gets to make that decision and gets to do so at the midway point of the season. Look, he's made all the money he needs. Yeah. Made boatloads of money. Uh, he's going to be able to just parachute in to a team that looks as though they're going to make a big impact. Uh, Baltimore could certainly use him. There's a lot of teams. As you said, a lot yeah. of teams could use him. Gabe Davis. How about Davis him Davis has been unbelievable. Yeah. Had that great playoff game a year ago. Well, he had that 98-yarder two weeks ago. Against the Pittsburgh. Man, that Buffalo team. And mm. Mitch Holtis. Bring that parka. It's going to be cold in Buffalo in yeah, January. Yeah, they're going to be headed on the road. That's a two-game swing. That was a big... Well, for either team, whoever won the game yep. uh, this past weekend. And no, week six is not too early to be start talking about tiebreakers because these two teams are head and shoulders above anybody, with the exception maybe the Eagles. Throw those three together. We talked about this with Frank Schwab yesterday. You mm-hmm. can uh, catch the podcast if you missed it. Who do you like fourth? We asked Frank the question, and mm. it's difficult. Who would be your fourth team? Well, I, I put... In our Mediacom power rankings, we just taped our show this morning. I put Vikings four. What did I have five? Cowboys because Dak's back. Yeah. Frank yesterday, Frank Schwab, and I think I, I think I got this right. Said he's in the years he's been covering the NFL, and he joined us at what twelve thirty yesterday. So he's in the he's our final guest. Mm-hmm. He um, he said of all the years he's been doing power rankings, he's never come across this conundrum where you get past team three. <laughs> and from four to essentially, I believe he said twenty-two. You could make a case for all of them at four. I think the Niners are going to be a major pain in the you know what. I still love the Ravens. Yes, I know you do. But I put the Giants ahead of them at least for a week, just because they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how. I don't know these games, but they come back in the second half. And there's something about 
belief in football. Well, I'm a huge fan of, of what Dable's doing. Yes, absolutely. No, but that, as, as we said, I think yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, if you're a football fan, and you know, nobody, nobody's um, opining of these poor New York fans. They need a break, right? <laughs> right. Well, whatever sport. Yep. But it, the Jets and the Giants have been laughing stocks. They have been. And, and both of them. Jets I think you longest... asked me yesterday what stock I would buy more if mm-hmm. I... Um, of the. Uh, you didn't ask me when it comes to the Jets or the Giants. Uh, I still like the Jets. They got a lot of young talent. Uh, but anyways, uh, who who did you have four? You had Ravens four? I had Giants four, then the Ravens. Ravens five. Since the Giants had the head-to-head last mm-hmm. week. but Who didn't make your top five that you think? Well, there's nobody that I'm like clamoring for that I had. I would have been happy just doing a top three because that's really mm-hmm. all that it is. Right like now. Frank said, all these teams. Can you come up with an argument that the Packers are going to figure out? The Buccaneers are going to figure it out. That you can Cincinnati, come up with an argument. Who played yes. for a championship a year mm-hmm. ago. Just on and on and on. All these teams. The Chargers, you love the talent there, mm-hmm. even with the injuries. We can go through a dozen teams, and you can come up at least with an argument. It's just difficult to do it at is. this point. And, and that's where we are. Speaking and unfortunately, of stock, you and I don't root for a team that uh, would be no, in that conversation. No, 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 neither the Bears or Broncos mm-hmm. make that cut. You uh, mentioned stock. I had my notes here. I want to play a little stock game with you uh, when we have time today. Maybe in this first segment. And they're not real stocks, folks. No, this yeah. is not real stock. They're not advice. giving you any, uh, yeah, any any stock advice. No, these are stocks. I want to talk about the future of the Big Twelve and what it's going to look like after uh-huh. Texas and Oklahoma depart, uh-huh. and the Big Ten West future. If you're buying stock in these football programs, not for this year. Once it's all said and done. Next five years. Mm -hmm. So the Big Ten West has survived? Well, as we... No, no. Okay. Just those teams. Gotcha. So you're not including the California teams. No. It's the ones that reside there today. Let's yes. do it. Let's do it. Um, in the 11 o'clock... In the 11 o'clock hour. I, God, this is I know. Hard. I, you're, you're get, you will get there. In the 12 o'clock hour... <laughs> We're going to start with John Bowenkamp, who was one of the participants in Ferentz's, Kirk Ferentz's press conference, as well as some of the players. He will join us uh, to discuss what he heard yesterday at 12.05. And then Nick Oson, who we normally get on Mondays, and we're double-dipping him today, uh, he's in Kansas City where the Big 12 Basketball Media Days are ongoing. Women yesterday, men today, um, and he's going to take time out. Uh, from interviewing some of the players, eight to ten minutes. He's going to be on later on uh, the Kicks and No Drive with Heather and Sean. So what we won't get to with Nick, uh, I, I would bet that um, the afternoon drive team would get to him. But uh, he's in Kansas City where Big 12 media days are going on. That's why we double-dipped him as we want to uh, get the latest on that. Trent's play of the day. Another big day for you yesterday. Yes. You, um, what were you, five and one? or Five and one, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's good. Handed out winners. And we had to do it quick yesterday, so I had to yeah, we ran seconds. out of show. Yeah, we uh, went a little deep. So, again, we're also working a little bit new clock. It's similar, but a little bit different. Have uh, Dan Patrick, a uh, little two-minute clip at the mm-hmm. end of the program that uh, plays before Murph and Andy. So, we'll get the timing down. We're figuring things out on the fly here, but loving our new time slot, 11 to 1. No, absolutely. It's going to be good for business for us. Anyways, and hopefully for the station as well, after all. Yes. Um, so, I did the 11 o'clock hour. Okay. Anything from Ference's presser yesterday that stood out to you? Keegan uh, Johnson, nowhere near coming yeah, back. I mean, I, I've been telling you that right, for a month now. Right. It's over. Uh, I think, well, Ferentz didn't say that, but they're trying it's to over. get him back. It's yeah. over. Yeah. I would be surprised if mm-hmm. he plays another snap mm-hmm. this season and more than likely in an Iowa uniform. Yep. It's been a weird offseason. This is not just a this year thing. This is not something that just started in August. We were talking about this on this show going mm-hmm. back to spring December. Football. 
Yeah, right. Right, December leading uh-huh. up to the bowl game and what it's been since then. So this should not come as a surprise to people that have been listening. And thank you for listening because we've uh, tried to keep you – again, I don't have anything concrete. It's not sources are telling me. You just got to read between the lines every once in a while. Mm-hmm. This has been one of the most odd situations. If he just had a groin injury, just a hamstring injury, there's more to this story. Yeah. There has to be more. It's the there. longest one in the history of that injury. <laughs> exactly. If indeed that, that, that is there. Uh, any other takeaways? Obviously, I do want to get to baseball right away here. Uh, yeah. Kirk Ferentz talking about red zone offense. Mm-hmm. And the question was posed, why don't you throw the football into the end zone? Yeah. To paraphrase that, that's, mm-hmm. and then to say, well, that's the system. What, right. in God's name, is Kirk talking about? I, I've said a couple of times this year, Kirk very quickly has felt old. I said mm-hmm. that going back to the South Dakota State game. Mm-hmm. He feels old. Yeah, he feels out of touch. This is a guy that took his team to a division championship a year ago, uh-huh. but how quickly it has changed. And I understand that's also winning and losing, and that also kind of leads to it. Well, but when you say your system real, uh, okay, go ahead. is to not throw the football yeah, into the end sense. zone in 2022, mm-hmm. not 1979. Yep. Though Kirk has all the stories from then. They still got a quarterback who plays like he's 1979, and that's their system. A system that does not throw the football into the end zone? You hope that a guy will catch it short of the goal line and will have momentum. That'll take him in here. Kirk is a smart guy. Kirk knows more football than I could ever imagine about. But if that is your system... Your system is broken. Your offensive line play has been brutal. Mm-hmm. But that's not just this year. This has been something that has happened outside of one season for six seasons with Brian as an offensive coordinator. That says this is not just a young offensive line, and he can make that excuse for this year. This is an offensive system. Well, you that found is numbers, so back that up with the numbers that you found. Because you found it, you talked about Iowa State, and yes. you put out their numbers. I think it's from Pro Football Focus where they rank, and then you followed up later in the day with the same numbers for Iowa. So this is uh, Football Outsiders. Football the outside. DVOA, you hear that talked about a lot. That is their kind of retro metric that they use. They also have offensive line ratings. And from Football Outsiders this year, Iowa, just across the offensive line, how they rank it. Out of how many? 131. Okay, same number. Yep. They're 124th. Mm. Last year, 112th. Where's Iowa State this year? 119th. Wow. Yeah. Really bad on both sides. High water mark, 58th in 2020. Again, it was the weird Mm -hmm. 2020 season. 73rd in 2019. 73rd also in 2017. Also think of those offensive lines. Those offensive lines, the 2019 offensive line, 73rd ranked offensive line with Tristan Wirfs, hmm. with Tyler Linderbaum, mm-hmm. with Alaric Jackson, Jackson. Yep. three NFL starters in 73rd. This is a broken, antiquated offensive system. It's not that they're young. It's not that they're going to learn. This is a broken system. Will Kirk do anything about it? Probably not. So, um, Sage Rosenfeld's Brent Bloom on the Iowa Everywhere podcast, uh, they had Pete Thamel on. Oh, yeah. From, Pete, they I do, too. He's been everywhere. New York Times, mm-hmm. Yahoo, now ESPN.com. I, I, I didn't hear it. They, they, Chris puts together, or Chris's team puts together these one-minute snippets. Thamel mm-hmm. thinks that Ferentz is at the end. I mean, obviously, he's toward the end. He's in his 60s. Right. But, but I, I took it differently as um, that the end of that era is quickly approaching and maybe quicker than anybody saw coming that's from tamil hmm so it might be worth listening to so he's gonna walk away from 42 million i don't see that trent but at the same time i don't know how much um 
money would be available, how badly some of the well-heeled followers of the program want to see a different brand of football, uh, that if you've got to adapt and change, knowing that there's very little likelihood that's going to happen with their football team, but it's a big number. Maybe that number gets, you know... Chopped in half? Or whatever, right? Negotiated nice down. After making, what, $100 million uh-huh. in his career? Here, go away. Here's another $20 Because if it keeps going this way and this team doesn't get to a bowl with this historically not, good defense... They're not getting to a bowl. See, I think they are. How? Well, I look, it's the Big Ten West. Okay. And for that reason, I think they, they're going to beat Northwestern. Are they? Yeah, they'll beat Northwestern. That's four. Okay. That's I'll give four. you that. Number. Right. Wisconsin, I don't know. We've seen this song and dance before. I get it. We've seen better Iowa teams I, lose to Wisconsin teams that I they've know, been better but than. But this is a spinning your wheels Wisconsin team. Minnesota, wow you anymore? They got off to a great start. Looked unbeatable. Looked like the team to beat in the West. Fall off your chair if Floyd Rosedale's living in uh, Iowa City I this offseason? You would. This offense is so bad. I get it, Trent, but so's the Big Ten West. Nebraska? You watch this car wreck. you got to score to beat Nebraska. I well, can't score. Well, maybe Nebraska will help you out. <laughs> Look, they're not. This, this week is the one game where you just absolutely, there's no way. You mm-hmm. just hope it get, doesn't get embarrassingly bad, right? Bye weeks stink as a fan, usually. Uh-huh. Just, this one's been worse. I get it. And then because what's on the backside of it is an mm-hmm. unwinnable game against Ohio it, State. You're 100% right. Unwinnable. Yep. We haven't said that since 2000 for Iowa. It's been a long time. 2016 when they upset Michigan. As bad as they looked the week before against Penn State, nobody said the game was unwinnable. That There was no way that Iowa could win that football game. You're right. There is no way Iowa can win this football game. I don't think there, so. there is not. No, I can't make it. You, no, you can't. No. No, you'd lose credibility if we sat here and tried to do so. What uh, one thing? What's the oh, big- and Purdue. Purdue's probably out of reach. Yeah. Right? They've run circles around yeah, Iowa. right. And the only thing Iowa has is the defense, and that's something that Phil Parker, the one guy he struggled with, than anybody. So they have to win three games of the four that are winnable. It's asking a lot, I get it, but it's the Big Ten West, and that's what gives me hope that we get to talk about football in December with one of the locals. That's because conversely, when the shoe is on the other foot, when yes. it comes to Iowa State, and you look at what they've got left, look, we said it last week, they can win them all. Mm-hmm. But they can also lose them all. Who do you favor in the Iowa State-Oklahoma game? Iowa State. You do? I mean, if I because it's in Ames. Now, uh, Gabriel's a different play, a yes. difference maker on that team. We as saw, we that saw last, last week, and I and I mistakenly thought that there was, you know, this team's going to this team's going to struggle again. Um, tough spot. I would pick Oklahoma. I will pick Oklahoma. You will. I mean, I, I beg your pardon. I will pick Iowa State Iowa over State Oklahoma. So that's four. West Virginia. That's five. It's a tough game, but it's at home. It's at home. Oklahoma State probably not. Coin flip game. Coin flip. Yes, it's on the road though. Uh huh. That coin, 60% of the time, comes up Oklahoma State. It does. I don't think they're winning that game. So you have to win one of your final two. Mm-hmm. And the seniors say goodbye against Texas Tech. Um, I love what McGuire's doing there. It'll be cold. Uh, but Texas Tech is... A lot of those South Texas kids haven't seen well, November le- weather okay. like they're going to experience All in right. that one. They'll get it done. They're six. I, they're six. So Iowa State or Iowa, who's more likely to make a bowl game? It's Iowa State. I think Iowa. You think Iowa? Because it's the Big Ten West. It's the Big 12. Anybody can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's better than Iowa. Oh, we saw that. Yes. Not much. No? 
And speaking of those offensive line numbers, they're not good for Iowa State no, either. No, they're not. Both these teams are really, really struggling mm-hmm. up front. But I, I, ultimately, we're kind of splitting the difference here yeah. between two teams that are Look, Trent, I average. hope you're right, and I hope I'm right. Yeah, right. Both, get them both. <laughs> because then they both get the postseason, and there's nothing worse and there's been very few of them uh, doing this job that you get to the end of November to Thanksgiving weekend, and both teams are putting it away for the, regardless of whether the, whether the basketball team's going to be good or not. Mm-hmm. You want a football game. Give us an extra football game. It's all selfish. Let's talk about baseball from last night, uh-huh. from yesterday. I want to start uh, the, the night game last night because, my good God, watching those two pitchers try to outduel each other, mm-hmm. and Zach Wheeler did. He gives up one hit for crying out loud. What a remarkable performance out of him. And the ball that Schwarber hit, and I want to do a little bit of a mea culpa here because you told me to tap the brakes. On my Joe Davis, this guy stinks. I didn't say stinks. I said he's a far cry from Joe Buck. I thought his home run call of the Schwarber home run last night was spectacular. It was great. It was really, really good. I tried to tell you, you got to give him a little time. You got to get. Used I know. To him. I know. You, you said had two that. decades of Joe Buck, and I and I wish I had three. But you're not going to. No. Not for baseball. Not for baseball. So him and Smoltz listening to Davis. Now, I'm glad the Dodgers are out because he would have taken a lot of criticism about the team he calls on a daily basis, I think. It's kind of like Buck with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Everybody, he, Buck hates everybody except the Cardinals. Davis hates everybody except the Dodgers. He's not rooting for the Astros, the Yankees, or mm-hmm. whoever. Um, but I was impressed by the call last night, and, and it's starting to become... I guess change is difficult for the old man. <laughs> and he's starting to get a little bit more accustomed well, to it. You're not alone in that one. Right? I don't think so. No. But it, the home run call of Schwarber's home run was good. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Let's see if I can find that one. All right. Because it was 488, oh. and it felt like he was shortchanged. It, it did. Now, I've never been one on the miles per hour leaving the bat because somehow. Us old folks watch baseball forever without knowing these numbers, and we still were into it. But 119 miles an hour leaving the bat, yikes. That's moving. And uh, the look on Bryce Harper's face in the dugout and the wherewithal, the fortitude, the vision that the cameraman had knowing the shot that he had, and there's Harper right in the middle of his shot, and his mouth is agape, and he zooms in on it. That was really good. You're going to see that is going to live, what do you call those, memes or GIFs? Well, depends. If it's a form that it's moving, okay. then it's a GIF. Okay. If it's just a still picture, right. then it's a meme. Okay. Oh, that's the difference? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but regardless, we're going to see a lot of that. Yes, you both. Don't yeah. you think? I think you will. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. That was unbelievable. Uh, Bryce Harper homered out the I got left. the call here. Do you? This is Joe Davis? I believe it is. Uh, I pulled up a couple of different So ones it's out. not the Phillies call? I don't believe so. Because, yeah, I the first two that I pulled up were the Phillies. I think this is the Joe Davis. Let's check. So that's how he's pitched tonight, backwards. Yes, it is. And it is a breaking ball. Uh, Swerber was ready. How far does this go? Second deck. Schwarber tees off. 2-0 Phillies. Knew it right away. There was no back, 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 Uh back. Nothing like that. This ball was crushed. How far is it going to go? How far is it going to go? Right off the bat. That guy sees a lot of baseball. He does. A lot of good baseball. Yeah, he calls the Dodgers game. Yes. And to be ready in that moment, when there was a little talking also happening at that time, which can be difficult when you're working with the player, and especially somebody that you don't do a lot of broadcasts with, that's a very difficult spot, tip of the ball cap. Yeah. I tried to tell you. No, and you were right. You were right. Um, 
Uh, I'm into it. Uh, that that was really good last night. Joe Davis, John Smoltz, pretty comfortable listen. Uh, meanwhile, in the afternoon, like it wasn't much of a game, right? It just it just wasn't much of a game. Uh, I know Francona is getting second guessed by starting Savali in the spot that he did. Uh, Trent, you made money on Savali last uh, yesterday uh, on one of your props. Was under on Savali, and for God's sakes, he didn't make it out of the first inning. Uh, the game was over at that point. It was just, it was just a bad game. Mm-hmm. I kept rooting for Cleveland to at least make it interesting. I didn't care who won. Just make it interesting. Wasn't going to happen uh, as the Yankees move on, and they will be moving on. What was that playing Triple A tonight? Oh, last night. Oh, well, they had to do a pile of drinking in the locker room. Yeah. So they got on there probably cocked uh-huh. when they got on the plane. And, and then you're already partying, so why And not? whatever was in the beer cart or in the booze cart, or if they have those things on their flights, I'm guessing they have something along those lines, they drank it dry. <laughs> so in your theory, I know you like you don't like the... So you'll be betting against the Yankees tonight? Because I have to think it's a short price uh, yeah. for the Astros. Right now, let's see, money line, minus 190 on the Astros, plus 160 on the Yankees. Hmm. A huge price. No, it is. It's a it's a it's momentum. A huge price. Do you buy into that? All of a sudden, no. I just steal game it, one. If you're a Yankees fan, that's what you're hoping for. Let's get Mark. He's been very patient. Mark, thanks for waiting. Welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, Mail. Sorry, guys. I was ordering at Palmer. Um, <laughs> nice <Good job>. work. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, guys, I just want to say I don't think the game is unwinnable for Hawk, the Hawk. Oh, I, sell I'm me on this fan. one. I'm all ears. Well, okay. I, I, I mean, a whole lot of things that have to go right. Okay. And, um, but, uh, you know, a couple fumbles at the right time, block punt. You know, I can come up with 13 to 10 Hawks. <laughs> 13 10. I'd sign for it right now, Mark. By the way, what are you having for lunch? Uh, I'm having Palmer's. I'm having the Palmer's Club with the chips, drink, and, of course, the beloved Palmer's Brownie. You can't beat the Brownie. That's what I was going to leave you with, is don't forget the Brownie if you hadn't already done so. You got that figured out. I I don't think you got the game figured out, but, Mark, I (laughs) I, I hope it's close. I really do. Mark, thanks for listening. Appreciate the call. Enjoy your lunch. Yeah, love the show. Thank Thank you, you, buddy. Take care. Unwinnable. Is that the right term? So, what's the biggest college football upset of, of recent times that you remember? I don't. I mean, <laughs> Stanford, 41 point underdog, Harbaugh's first year. Okay. When they beat USC. Mm-hmm. USC was a behemoth. Mm-hmm. They had teams, players up and down. What did they do? Stanford, that game. So my buddy sent me this information. Oh, so, so Mark's not alone <laughs> trying not to alone. figure out a path to that. I, I love it. Good. Well, I was not a 41 and a half point underdog. They're only a 29 uh-huh. point underdog. So you got that going for got you. The, that game was in the Coliseum, a road game for Stanford. Uh-huh. And what Stanford did, they first of all changed quarterbacks. Not happening. <laughs> okay, well, there's strike one. Don't check that box. Uh, they also young, moved a young defensive back over to play wide receiver. Well, uh-huh. Iowa has a five-stairs Xavier Wampa. Uh-huh. That's not playing a whole lot so outside the of the secret weapon's going to be unveiled this week? You know the name of that Stanford wide receiver who went back to playing defensive back? I'm going to guess it was Sherman. Richard Sherman. Xavier, Is that right? Xavier Wampa move him. Again, that's not going to happen. Uh-huh. So that anatomy of an upset that uh-huh. Stanford used to pull things off, I don't see Iowa using their DNA to suddenly change so did quarterback. Your, was your buddy being a little facetious? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I I hope it's 13-10, Mark. How are you holding I'm that buying, team to 10 points? I don't know. I don't know, especially if Smith. They can run it. Back. They can throw it. They got so many dudes. Watch this Marvin Harrison. He might be better than the old man. And he's not even the leader and receiver on the team right now. No, it's, 
they are absolutely stacked. So I mentioned stock prices. If you're buying stock in the teams as we currently know the West, and knowing that college football and the Big Ten is changing going forward. Mm -hmm. 12-team playoff structure, divisions likely going away in the Big Ten, or at least how we know divisions Mm -hmm. as they're structured. Who are you buying stock in? Of the Big Ten West schools, we have to buy Wisconsin. You do? I think so. That stock price, it's it's an old veteran stock that's been around for a while. You're not getting Mm -hmm. a great price. Yeah, but they got a new CEO. They do? And for that's that's as much as anything, that's why I'm buying. Because I think the new CEO realizes that we need linebackers. We need an offensive line. Um, yeah. So you're buying Wisconsin. I'm buying Wisconsin. That's going to be in your portfolio just because you know. It is. It's a safe one. Right. You're not probably going to hit it big. No. But it's going to be safe. It's not going right. to tank. You're not going to lose all your money on well, Wisconsin. Well, I'm not buying Iowa if you're trying to sell me Hawk stock. Well, you can I mean, have. You could get it piss cheap, too, right, <laughs> right. now. Uh, because, look, Bielema has turned a corner. It's a petty stock. <laughs> uh, P.J. Fleck is P.J. Fleck. I want to buy Nebraska just because I want the final game of the year to mean something, and it means nothing again, in all likelihood. Outside of Illinois. Maybe Purdue. They are just kind of are what they are. They're fine. They're fun offensively, but are they winning... Nine, ten games a year? Well, they've got some do. I mean, Karlaftis, they sent him in the first round of the NFL. That's and they of... went seven and five. No, I know. They had two excellent players mm-hmm. and went seven and five. That's mm-hmm. just kind of what Purdue is, which yeah. is fine for what the program had been mm-hmm. in the decade previous. Yep. But I think it's Illinois. You think Illinois. And how many times have we heard throughout the years? Yep. If they just get the right coach there, it's a sleeping giant. It's a program yeah. that can ascend and be a big-time program. They're investing in facilities. They're using the money wisely, and they have a competent coach mm-hmm. in Bielema that knows how to win. Mm-hmm. Will he be able to win at the level of Ohio State and Michigan? I think that's it just can't happen really for anybody, even Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin anymore, as the structure of college football changes. But Illinois, you have in-state recruiting that is better than anybody mm-hmm. of the brethren that we're talking about here. It is a system that has worked in the past, and also the evolution Watch a Wisconsin game when Bielema was a coach, and then watch them today. It's still physical, still running the football. There's times they're going to have six or seven offensive linemen. But there's also an adaptation to college football, a quarterback that can move, a lot of jet sweep, a lot of motion, a lot of ways to trick your eyes before the snap. It's not just we're going to line it up and out-muscle you, because you can't win just doing that. Right? Hear that, Brian? Yeah, you can't just win that way. There's also this part of it that they have gone out there and made the decision, we're going to evolve. We're still going to have our fundamentals and what we want to do, but we have to move with the times. Illinois, that's where my stock's being bought. Uh, I, I, I can't argue with you. I love what they're doing this year. I mean, Illinois, Purdue, for all the marbles in the West. Yeah, all those segments we killed in June, July, and didn't August. Have that. <laughs> didn't have that one. Coming up on 1130, the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, is with us. We take you until 1 o'clock. Nick Oson live from Kansas City, Big 12 Basketball Media Day. He's going he's to be here very briefly, five, six, seven minutes with Nick. Uh, and then John Bowenkamp, he was in Iowa City yesterday for all the pressers. He will join us uh, to kick off our number two. Miller and Condon underway on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, one. 6.3. Douglas in 86th Street in Urbandale. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you until 1 o'clock. 
uh, here today. Hour number two, John Bowenkamp on the Hawks. Uh, and then Nick goes in a Big 12 basketball media days. Right now, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. We will get Mitch today and then pick him up in two weeks after their bye week. Hello, Mitch Holtis, Trent and Ken. Thanks for coming on. Papa John's here in Central Iowa makes it possible. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Just getting ready for this uh, Chiefs. Another step in the Chiefs gauntlet through the NFL's best defenses. Uh San Francisco and Buffalo are one and two in almost every category, and the Chiefs get them in back-to-back weeks. No, not not easy. Mitch, uh, this game had so much hype uh, last week's game against the Bills, so much hype around this game uh, that it couldn't possibly live up to it. Well, it did. It maybe surpassed it. It was so good. Watching these two quarterbacks go at each other, I know it's a team sport, but all eyes on Allen and Mahomes, and why wouldn't they be? But I know that it didn't go the Chiefs' way, but just calling it, did you did you realize uh, the magnitude of the game and how good the game was as, as you're describing? what you're seeing honestly Ken yes and when I started my game day setup which is always my kind of monologue to set up the day I gave the analogy of like this has become the NFL's version of Ted Lasso or Mad Men or Tiger King or just fill in the blank (laughs) of what do you want to binge watch I don't care if you like these teams hate these teams you want to binge watch or listen to these teams because you'd never know what's going to happen this game was really intriguing. I didn't get, I gained the appreciation for it doing the game to answer your question. But honestly, it was the next day reviewing the video that I realized, oh my gosh, <laughs> this was such a chess match going back and forth. These two teams were throwing fastballs at each other like Liu Darvish and, and Zach Wheeler last night at the Padres and the uh, Phillies. This was a chess match deluxe with superior teams. One of the questions that remains, and they're not a whole lot about this Kansas City team. They're good. More than likely going to have to go to Buffalo now in the in the uh, divisional championship round of the playoffs. But that aside, the return game. You know, Pacheco, he looks like a talented guy back there, but the special teams unit for Buffalo, making the decision every time, we're going to kick it to the left, we're going to make it difficult. We've seen a couple of good returns for Pacheco. We've also seen some head-scratching ones, one where he fell down, a couple of short ones. The return game, how much improvement can be there, and how important those special teams, those hidden yards, if you will, how much does Andy Reid talk about that? A lot, a lot. This team always emphasizes it, though. They have for 10 years under Andy Reid and Dave Tobe, and if you look at him, Trent, collectively in the four core special teams areas over a 10-year period, they're number one in the NFL. And that's empirical. That's data. That's not just an opinion. When two good teams, I just still think that's the two best teams in the NFL. Apologies to Eagles fans. But uh, when the margin is that close, you've nailed something there. Uh, The fact that Tyler Bass is so good at pinpointing his kicks. And two, it tells you just the depth of the roster. Uh, Buffalo is so good, 1 through 53. Tyler Matakevich, who's a great special teams coverage guy that was with the Steelers. Uh, the Bills have done so much to build that roster. There's great depth there, and that for sure shows up on special teams. But the Chiefs emphasize it. They're going to get better. I think the Chiefs have actually have more upside than the Bills uh, as we move forward. And don't just put the Bills into that one slot yet. Uh, a lot can happen over the next 12 weeks. We've got a long way to go in this. Um, I gave the analogy uh, on other shows of me being the Newton, Iowa, for that IndyCar race. <laughs> the race says for yeah. maybe I emceed it, right? But but those seven-eighths mile track, they're going 175 miles an hour, like 18-second laps, and then they put out caution. 
everybody kind of slows down a bit. And then they get bunched up and they drop the green flag on the restart. That's kind of what this feels like for the Chiefs after this week is getting this time to like, okay, slow down, and then whammo, it's going to hit again. But when that green flag drops, a whole bunch of stuff can happen, Trent. So just don't put the Buffalo Bills into the uh, one chair yet. Harrison Bucker, the 61-yarder at the end of the half, I mean, he is such a weapon, and we saw when he was out how different that team is. But we got to talk about Tommy Townsend, too. Boy, that guy's got a leg on him. Well, a big reason the Chiefs are 4-2 and is Tommy Townsend. Yeah. The Charger game, he actually took a possession away from the Chargers. The Chargers should have had the ball to end the half, and he boots a 74-yard punt that uh, ate up like 12 seconds. Wow. And it was it. I've never seen a punter completely take a possession away from a talented team in the two-minute offense, but Tommy Townsend did that. Second and gross, number one in net. The stats are nice. But when they have an effect on a game like Tommy's having, they become a weapon. Mm-hmm. Right now, Tommy's a weapon for this Chiefs team. Uh, like that's uh, they need another one, but that's right. You're 100 percent right, Mitch. Uh, somebody called me during the break uh, and asked me to ask you, and I think it's a really good question. Um, the, the fact that Travis Kelsey just redid his contract, I think saving them three million on the cap, they converted it to a bonus. Obviously, they 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 needed that money for for something down the road. He didn't ask me to ask you specifically where they're going to spend it because if you knew he wouldn't tell us um but that seems like a prudent move being that maybe there's another move for this roster to be made and now they freed up some cap space to be able to do that one of the points of emphasis by brett veach when he took over the gm role which was going in i believe to the 18th season um maybe the 19th season that he said i always want to leave room in my billfold where i can make a move in the middle of a season or in the stretch run. Uh, now, NFL is not exactly like MLB at the trade deadline, but maybe it's going to turn into that if the Carolina Panthers trade their whole team out yeah. away. But to answer your question, Ken, it is an emphasis for Brad Beach to leave some room or create some room so he's got it right now to make a move. I will tell you this, the pot is boiling. Red Beach is looking at a bunch of different possibilities here, but I would not sleep. It could happen at any time, but the uh, the stove is red hot. What about the trade market? It's different than it was in the past when there was never NFL trades, it felt like. Now there are a few, still not a market that I think you can get right in often. How much is Veach willing to go down that road? How much do you think that he is making those phone calls to the other 31 GMs across the NFL? Well, he stays active all the time. I said he's always on the treadmill going at 15.0, uh, 10 miles an hour, right? He just he just goes and goes and goes and goes. I'm not sure I've seen a guy quite like him that just keeps going. Uh, but there's times like he wants to make a move to, to tell the team, tell the roster that, hey, we're, we're serious about this. The, the Melvin Ingram move last year, uh, even the Collars Dunlap role at the beginning of the season uh, was a little bit of that here as well. But uh, he's working on it, Trent. I'm just going to tell you, he's working on it. Now, where do you go? You can sit there and argue that this team needs to get pressure with four. They were doing it earlier in the year. They've not been able to do it recently. Um, they're not creating turnovers. They have just had five takeaways in the first six games of the year. They're minus one, and they're not giving it away, but they're not taking it away. Look at the Eagles, who are plus 12 in the giveaway takeaway, and they're 6-0. and Now, that's a chicken and egg. Um, I'm going to do a podcast here in a little bit on it. 
that Matt McMullen and I will get into it, but they've got to create some turnovers. And to do that, that's getting a pass rush with four, not just blitzing, because we saw what happened in the Bills game. That they, they did throw Josh Allen off, but on two sellout blitzes, there were two fades for touchdowns that were the difference in the game. So uh, I'm not saying it'll be defense, not saying it'll be edge rusher. They also have to protect better, especially on the edges. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are needs here, but, but Beach is working on it. Hmm. You know, one guy that jumped off my TV screen was uh, 32, Bolton. Mitch, you might have had better games uh, as a Chief. Um, I don't watch them as closely as you do, obviously, but I certainly was in tune, uh, all eyes on this one. I thought he was all over the field, Mitch. I thought he was as good a player on defense, and they had some other dudes as well, but boy, 32 jumped off my TV screen. He is He's turning into a star. We have a star budding right in front of us, Ken. I, his body type and the way he tackles is a Sam Mills comparison mm. or a London Fletcher. He's not super tall, um, but he he makes every play. Now, where he's got to work as he grows is depth on, let's say, on his zone drops. Uh, for example, the Chiefs, a key play in that game against the Bills was they, they had the Chiefs, Bills backed up at the one-yard line on third and twelve. And the Bills get an 18-yard pass play. That started the 96-yard drive for the touchdown. They Remember, it was a 9-99 because they were backed up because of penalty. But it looked like Nick on that play had a little bit of an issue on his zone drop, like he didn't drop deep enough. And it depends on the call, but how shallow do you go, how deep do you go on a linebacker drop? Because he's out there all the time. He's out there in the nickel and the dime, so he's got to learn drops. But from a standpoint of being a tackler, being smart, tough, making the defensive calls, and making every tackle, whether it's inside or the perimeter, right now you would argue he's one of the top three to five best guys in the league. He's playing exceptionally well. Let's talk, as we get out of here, Mitch, let's talk about Papa John's, the Donaldsons, what they do in central Iowa, and, of course, the uh, the, the Zaw. The Zaw is so good. But you know what? Parenting is a difficult thing sometimes. Matt Donaldson was at the game Sunday. One of his sons is a Chiefs fan. Another is a Bills fan. Oh, my. <laughs> and, yeah, I got a picture, and they were all dolled up, ready to go to the game. And just, it's, it's you know, one on. I, I just don't know what that day was like for that family and what it's been like since then at the dinner table, right? So, uh, but it's awesome family. Uh, they, they, they have this uh, promotion going on now for My Happy Place in Iowa, which is for kids that are dealing with some, and parents, dealing with some extreme circumstances. Just look it up. Um, you can do the search and, and find out about it. But it, they have a special going on right now where they want to raise at least 10000 over the next 30 days for My Happy Place. But that's what they do. That's how they operate. Great pizza, great people. Talk to you in two weeks. Enjoy the bye week. Thank you, Mitch Holtz, for what you do for our Central Iowa audience. We appreciate it. So, so do they. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yep. it. Good to talk to you. Mitch Holtz, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Papa John Central Iowa, and the Donaldsons making that possible. We'll come back, finish up our number one, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO as we inch our way up until noon. Trent Condon, Ken Miller. Well, the Missouri Valley Conference has their uh, preseason poll as was released here today, Trent Condon, mm-hmm. to no surprise for those uh, that follow Drake. I didn't know if it was going to be this overwhelming, though. My God, Drake got, what, 52 out of the 54 first place votes went to the Bulldogs. 
ordering your turn for starters from the team. Including the player of the year. That's very successful. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> they're stacked up. They're ready to go. You know, there's going to be a lot of coaches, uh, athletic directors across the Midwest saying, why didn't we give DeVries a shot maybe a little bit earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has been, He's been great to be a good coach and a guy that waited, mm-hmm. was overlooked. Yep. A lot of people said he shouldn't have been. No, I agree. I thought, he, I thought it was going to happen earlier, Trent. Yes. You're 100% right. Dude knows what he's doing. I'm with you, and I know Brian Harden does as well, the AD over there, and I hope that those two are in lockstep and this this relationship lasts for a long time because so the only other when Des Moines' team is relevant. Yes, the only other two teams to even get a first-place vote were Bradley, who was second in the poll, and mm-hmm. SIU, who was third in the poll. You and I at number five, they're going to be really young. They lose a lot of experience off that team. It'll be Bowen Barn. It'll be Heisey, who we saw. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Titan Anderson, but it's it's a very, very young team. And more sad news for Austin Fife. terrible. It's one thing after another with mm-hmm. this guy. He dealt with a long COVID. He had, he had uh, health problems even before long COVID got him. And now he's got something else happening with his lungs. It's just absolutely devastating. Read an article last night, uh, though, about that. And... He's still got a positive outlook. He says, look, I go to the hospital, and I have to go to the hospital because of this. And I see kids in wheelchairs. I'm still able to move. He's got a really positive outlook. He said, you know, if it turns out that I've played my last basketball game, I got to play a lot of basketball. I mean, what a perspective for a young guy. (laughs) Not that young. This is a six-year in college. (laughs) But a young guy to have that kind of perspective and a guy well that had the game how good he was oh my god Trent he was a huge difference in that conference and to have that taken away from him and to have that positive yes. outlook uh on the way that it's going because my gosh with no fife fifth seems like a stretch yeah. for you and I yeah belmont in their first year at saw that six. right there below them i thought they'd be a tick higher mm-hmm. i certainly thought they'd mm-hmm. be ahead of you and i missouri UIC state at, at the bottom well not quite evansville is yeah they got the purple aces Holding their spot at the bottom of the conference, <laughs> even as they move from ten teams now to twelve. Uh, I, I this, there's something about this conference, right? You just mm-hmm. um, they just they just keep coming back. They lose some heavy heads, and they certainly have over the years. Most recently, Loyola of Chicago, but uh, don't look now. They've lost Wichita in the past. They've lost Creighton in the past, and. If they missed a beat, well, maybe, but not a big one. Not a big one. And for everybody that said, there's no chance there will be multiple teams back in the tournament mm-hmm. after Creighton and Wichita left it happen. Now after Loyola, this conference finds a way. And their additions, UIC, remember Loyola, that was a stretch. Mm-hmm. And it turned proved to be yeah, incredibly really good. Really good. And Belmont. Well, who doesn't want to go on that road trip? Murray State. Those are uh-huh. two excellent basketball programs you're bringing in this year. For Drake, though. You have to, you probably have to go to the Paradise Jam and maybe win the thing because it's not a great Who field else down is there. there. They open, I know, with Buffalo. That's their first one. Buffalo's had some pretty good teams recently, too. Um, let's see. And then after that, let's see if I can find the bracket for it because these are the kind of things My that you gosh, we're talking about brackets. It's yes, time, yes. isn't it? Oh, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. All right, here we go. Uh, Buffalo Drake, then they'll take on with a win either Howard or Wyoming mm-hmm. in the next round. Bottom part of the bracket, Belmont is there. Yeah. George Mason, Boston College okay. is the power conference team. So, again, that's probably one, though. You got to win that thing. And that's what we're talking about here with this squad. They get Richmond, of course, the tournament team that beat Iowa last year. They go down to St. Louis in December non conference. But how about this? Over in Lincoln, Nebraska, they play Mississippi State. Weird. In Lincoln, Nebraska? In Lincoln, Nebraska. It's called Battle in the Vault. 
push the okay. bank over there. That's, that's the nickname. The the yeah. Yeah. So that's the way the schedule shapes up here. I'm going to guess probably not the the depth. I'm sure that DeVries was probably working hard to try to find some games. But if you're a power conference team, you want to sign up and play Drake right now? Nah, not too, not so much. No, not so much. Well, good. It's going to be fun to watch this mm-hmm. uh, this program as they go through the valley in the months of January and February, and then off to St. Louis. I know Sean Roberts is already talking to Heather. We're going. That's such a great tournament. It is. It's such a great tournament. We got an hour to go. We'll start with John Bowen Camp. Nick Olson's going to join us from Kansas City Big 12 Basketball Media Days. He's there for that. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO.